And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, Benji? Let's call. I met him at the laundry man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> guys, guys, guys! Fellas, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden from 1949. Then we'll take an eerie train ride alongside the mysterious traveler from 1950. And by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. I'm kind of looking forward to that eerie train ride. Yeah. My kind of show. It was an interesting program, Mysterious Traveler. We'll talk about it a little later. But right now, we're going to tune in to the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks. Eve Arden played 10th grade English teacher Connie Brooks. You know, she was not the first person that CBS approached to play this role. You know, they were kind of developing the program. They were looking at actors. Who should we have play this part? It's going to be a very funny part. And they wanted Lucille Ball. She was busy. She was doing her other show. Then they went to Shirley Booth. You know who Shirley Booth is? Shirley Booth is Hazel. Hazel, right, right. And she was married for a long time. Uh, to Ed Archie Gardner from Duffy's Tavern. And she actually played Miss Duffy on that for a while. Then when they got divorced, yeah, they had a bunch. Yeah, no, <laughs> he got rid of her then. <laughs> but um, they they went to Shirley Booth, and she actually cut an audition record for it, which I have a copy of wow. one of these days. I should play that. The quality is not that great. It's not as good as the quality we normally play, but it is very historical because it's Shirley Booth in the role of Connie Brooks. I would love to hear that. Yeah, and then I'm not sure why it didn't work out. I mean, she would have been great you know, in the role, but then they just thought, well, let's offer it to Eve Arden. Now, Eve Arden at the time was sort of at a crossroad because she had been a dramatic actress she was in MGM movies, and she did some comedy, but she was kind of like the the best friend or the very supporting, supporting characters, really never getting the lead in anything. But she was a player, you know, she was a player in these movies. And so they offered her the role, and she said, you know, this is going to give me an opportunity to be the star of my own program. She didn't know if it was going to work or not, but it was a tremendous success. It was so big. The 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 uh, radio series, Our Miss Brooks, was so huge. It was like a top ten show. And then when television came about, it made a perfect transition to television. Pretty much everybody on the radio show, other than Jeff Chandler, because he passed away, unfortunately, everybody really made the transition to TV, including Richard Crenna and Gail Gordon, of course, Eve Arden. And um, it was a huge, huge success on television as well. All right, it's time now for uh, Our Miss Brooks. Let's go back to May 8th, 1949. It's called Mr. Boynton's Parents. Let's tune into the conclusion of Our Miss Brooks. <laughs> I told you, what a sense of humor. <laughs> He's hot stuff, all right. Hey, 
Phil's written is all about you, my dear. I hear you're just like a mother to Miss Brooks, Mrs. Davis. This house dress has got to go. <laughs> this isn't Mrs. Davis, Harvey. It isn't? Oh, of course not, Dad. This is Miss Brooks. Oh. Why are we all standing out here in the hall? Yes, let's all go in and stand in the living room. <laughs> Follow me, please. Well, here we are. Now then, Mrs. Boynton, if you'll just come over to this lamp, that's a very comfortable place to stand. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, you stand over there by the piano. I don't understand, Miss Brooks. Where are all the chairs? They're out being recovered. I didn't expect you for hours yet, Mr. Boynton. This is a terrible thing to do to anybody. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but it couldn't be helped. You see, there was a convention in town, and I couldn't get the folks' accommodations anywhere. You know how big my room is, and, well... I... I wondered if you and Mrs. Davis could put the folks up for the weekend. Why, Philip, I'm surprised at you. You know better than to whisper in front of others. Oh, I'm sorry, Mother. I was just explaining our predicament to Miss Brooks. She was saying how delighted she'd be to have you stay for a couple of days. Well, now, that's what I call whopping hospitality. It's a whopper, all right. <laughs> I wish you'd give me a hand with the garbage, Connie. I just can't... <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon. Uh, this is Mr. and Mrs. Boynton, and... This, contrary to popular opinion, is Mrs. Davis. How do you do? Hello, Mrs. Davis. Yeah, good afternoon, Mrs. D. Nice little place you've got here. I just invited the folks to spend the weekend with us, Mrs. Davis. If you don't mind my doubling up with you, I figured they could have my room. Oh, that's perfectly all right. Oh, dear, the upholsterer. You folks must be tired after your trip. Why don't you go to bed? <laughs> bed? It's only 4.30 in the afternoon. Oh, Mrs. Davis was only kidding, Mrs. Boynton. She's got quite a sense of humor, too. Now, just remember one thing, Mrs. Davis. You can't kid a kidder, kiddo. <laughs> Doesn't he get off some cracks, Mrs. Davis? <laughs> yes, he's a gym dandy. <laughs> Now, if you folks will just follow me, I'll show you to your room. Or rather, Miss Brooks's room. Well, I could do with a bit of freshening up at that. Oh, nonsense, Mother. You're as fresh as the day I got you. <laughs> oh, now, cut it out, oh, Dad. Yes. yes, cut it out, Dad. Oh, what am I <laughs> Please, Harvey, stop. I don't know where he gets some of his ideas. He's terribly original, don't you think, Miss Brooks? Oh, a second Oscar Hammerstein, Mrs. Boynton. <laughs> or to put it another way, the corn is as high as the elephant's eye. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks certainly has a comfortable room, Harvey. Yes, indeed. That shower and a little catnap's just what the doctor ordered. Tell me, Harvey, what do you think of Miss Brooks? Well, it's hard to tell in that outfit she had on, but once she combs her hair and climbs out of that gunny sack, I'll bet she's a looker. Yes, but what is she looking for? Oh, now, Mother, you think that every girl who meets him immediately sets her cap for Philip. Hey, what's this package on the dresser here? It says, uh, for Mother. Huh, must be for you. Oh, wasn't that thoughtful of Miss Brooks? She got a Mother's Day gift for me when she heard I was coming. I'm going to open it right now. Oh, but Mother's Day isn't until Sunday. Well, you know I'd never have the patience to wait. <laughs> Let's see. Why, what's this? A black sheer negligee. Well, happy Mother's Day. Well, this card... Can't be for me. <laughs> look, look, this card fell out when you opened the package. It says, for baby from her goodie. Well, so it belongs to Miss Brooks. 
Harvey, you don't think that Philip... Ooh, would... certainly not. He wouldn't have nerve enough to ask for that in the store. Well, I'm going to find out just where this came from. Oh, Miss Brooks. Yes, Mrs. Boynton? Would you come here a moment, please? Certainly, Mrs. Boynton. What can I do for you? Well, I opened the package by mistake and found this inside of it. A black sheer negligee. There was a card with it that said, For Baby from Goody. Goody. Goody? Oh, that must be short for Osgood. Why, of course, that was Mr. Conklin's gift. Mr. Conklin, the principal of Madison High? Yes, isn't he a devil? (laughs) (laughs) He asked me to keep it for him so his wife wouldn't discover it before Mother's Day. Oh, it's for his wife. Uh, Yes, who did you think it was for? Don't answer that. (laughs) I can tell from the position of your eyebrows. My eyebrows? Yes, Mrs. Boynton. You'd better drop them a notch. You're pushing back your hairnet. Well, it certainly was nice of you to invite us all to dinner, Mrs. Davis. Yes, indeed. It's delicious, too. Oh, thank you, both of you. But Miss Brooks is the one who deserves the credit. She prepared it all. Oh, come now, Mrs. Davis. You opened every bit as much as I did. <laughs> Beef stew, isn't it? There's beef represented in it, yes. <laughs> Eat it slowly, Philip. Uh, yes, Mother. Uh, they say your stomach has no teeth, but maybe it's just as well. If it got too hungry, it could chew off your suspender buttons. <laughs> <laughs> he always gets me when I've got a mouthful. Now, Philip, he's such a baby. <laughs> yes. He's nothing but a great, big, overgrown kid. Now, that's funny. That's the same phrase that Philip used in describing you in one of his letters. Well, she is, Mother. You ought to see her around the school. Why, the students just treat her like one of themselves. Oh, yes, indeed. We kids have some great old times together. Oh, I'm glad. I like Philip to have lots of youthful friends. The younger, the better. Well, they don't come much younger or better than Miss Brooks, Mother. Well, thank you, Mr. Boynton. Call me Philip tonight. I'll answer it, Connie. Excuse me, folks. I wonder who that could be. Well, come in, dear. Hi, Mrs. Good Davis. Evening, Mrs. We're a committee. Who is it, Mrs. Davis? Walter and Harry and Connie. I'll bring them in. Oh, we didn't mean to disturb you, Miss Brooks. Oh, that's all right, Walter. I was just telling the folks how informal we are at Madison. Mr. and Mrs. Boynton, may I present Walter Denton and Harriet Conklin? Hey, how do you do? Mr. Boynton, how are you? And now, Miss Brooks, we would like to present something to you that expresses the devotion and reverence felt toward you by the entire student body. What is it, Walter? It's a shawl. A shawl and a handsome pair of knitting needles to go with a rocking chair to which you're so attached. (laughs) Rocking chair? But Oh, I'm not finished, Mrs. Boynton. Miss Brooks, you have been chosen our mother away from mother. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, several days later, Friday night came to an end. As I escorted Mr. Boynton to the front door, he was in a strangely mellow mood. You know, Miss Brooks, I'm a man of many dreams, but more often than not, I find I'm shooting too high. Shooting too high, Mr. Boynton? Yes, in trying to find the right girl, for instance. It seems that subconsciously I'm always looking for a girl who's just like my mother. Attractive, yet sweet and unselfish. Well, don't give up the search, Mr. Boynton. Someday you're liable to find such a girl right under your nose. And I think that's a very nice location. (laughs) What I mean is, 
when you gave up your room for Mother, I suddenly realized that you're not only attractive, but also sweet and unselfish. So, Miss Brooks, instead of just shaking hands like we usually do... Yes, Mr. Boynton? I'd like to say goodnight to you the way I do to my mother. With a kiss. A kiss, Mr. Boynton? (laughs) Yes, on the forehead. There you go, shooting too high again. Next week, tune into another Hour of Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope, and lustrous cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Frank Nelson, and Myra Marsh. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these same stations, and be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. Stay tuned now for Life with Luigi, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Our Miss Brooks from May 8th, 1949 with Mr. Boynton's parents starring Eve Arden in the cast there, Richard Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Jeff Chandler, Jane Morgan, Frank Nelson, Gail Gordon, sponsored by Palmolive Soap as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's the mysterious traveler. Don't go away. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a well, time. The- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. This is Hollywood 360. We're on uh, almost 200 radio stations across the country, Lisa Wolf. Not bad. How did that happen? Yeah, not bad. And if you want to hear a podcast of this show, just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. We know that some of the stations don't carry the full four hours, so it gives you a chance to check it out. It's time now for The Mysterious Traveler. This was a great series, Lisa. It was about a, a guy that was on a train. He'd, he'd uh, take this train late at night, and he'd look around, and he'd see people on the train, and then he was able to kind of tell their story, you know, to I us. I do that all the time. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah whenever you're on the train. <laughs> well, no, this, is, I mean this story's about you. It's called The Big Brain. If it was called The Big Brains, it would really be about you. So this is from March 14, 1950. It stars Maurice Tarplin as the Mysterious Traveler. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Mysterious Traveler. Written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Coburn. 
And starring tonight, two of radio's foremost personalities, Leon Janney and Marilyn Erskine, in The Big Break. This is the mysterious traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable, if you can, as you hear the story I call The Big Brain. My story begins in one of the manufacturing plants of the Worldwide Business Machines Corporation. In one wing of the plant is housed the huge laboratories of the company, where newly designed and experimental calculating machines are built and tested. It is evening, and the vast laboratory with its long rows of intricate-looking machines is deserted, except for a young university professor, Lester DeWitt. Tall, lanky, and in his early thirties, DeWitt stands before a massive machine that dwarfs all others in the laboratory. Swiftly, efficiently, he presses tabulating keys on the control board, oblivious of all else. 3.521 to the eighth digit, 74.3 to the third digit, 74.56 to the fourth digit. Is that you, Professor Dewis? Hmm? Oh, uh, yes, Pop, I'm at the big brain. 6.527 to the fourth digit. Now, you brought your visitor, Professor. Hmm? Uh, visitor? Julia. I'm glad to see that you at least remember my name. Of course, Professor, I'm not supposed to allow anyone in here, but our engineers and university people like yourself. But I figured seeing you and hers engaged. Thanks, Pop. That's all right. Joy seeing young people get together. Oh, Julia, I'm terribly sorry. I, I, I forgot completely. Were, were you waiting long? Only a half hour. By then I realized I'd been stood up. Oh, well, I'm honestly, Julia, I, I, I had no idea it was so late. I... I decided to run a test at 5.30 and, 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 and be, be, be finished by, by 6. 6.30 at the latest. And, and, and... If you could only see your face. <laughs> well, and you, you aren't angry with me. No, no, I'm not angry. I'll just have to accept you for what you are. An absent-minded professor. Hmm. Well, so this is my arrival. I've never seen such a huge machine. Hmm. It weighs over 50 tons. 50 tons? That's right. The staff here at the plant calls it the big brain. It's the only one of its kind in the world, Julia. Lester, those thousands of keys, levers, do you know what each one of them is for? Why, yes, of course. Oh, oh look at it. Do you realize that the big brain can calculate elliptical integrals? Is that good? Good? Why, human mind has never been able to solve elliptical integrals. There have been no methods of solution. But this machine can. Oh, the big brain, Julia, can solve in a few seconds a problem that would take a scientist a lifetime to work out. <laughs> There's one thing your big brain can do, Professor. No? What's that? It can take this racing sheet and dope out the winners of tomorrow's races. So. <laughs> Still playing the horses, eh, Pop? Yep. Not doing so good, either. Well, I gotta make me rounds. Nice talking to you, young folks. Good night, Mr. Collins. Good, good night, Pop. Good night. Oh, I really should be jealous of that machine, Les. A certain light appears in your eyes when you speak of it. Sometimes I think that you care more for that. But you really don't believe that. Mm. Mm. Mm, no, not really. <sighs> eh? 
Hey, look. Pop left his racing paper behind. <laughs> what are you looking through it for? Hmm? Oh, I, I've never read a racing sheet before. Oh, it's interesting. Very interesting. You know, this racing sheet is a treasury of facts. Why, in each race alone, there are over a thousand facts to be taken into consideration. Yes. Now, Les, you aren't going to spend the rest of the night studying that paper, are you? I had always been inclined to think that horse racing was a matter of sheer luck. That isn't so at all. Look at all the information that's available in this paper. I can't understand why Pop thought the big brain couldn't calculate the winners of these races. You mean, you think it could? I see no reason why it shouldn't be able to. In view of all these facts we have on past performances... Lester, you aren't serious, are you? Of course I am. Would you like to try it as an experiment? An experiment? Yes. We'll put all these facts through the machine. Oh, this I have to see, by all means. All right. First, it's a matter of learning what all these abbreviations and symbols stand for. Then... Yes? It's merely a matter of your reading the facts on past performances and my feeding it to the machine. Going away, $9.50, Flying Ghost. Flying Ghost. October 5th, 1949. October 5th, 1949. Belmont Park, mm. three-year-olds and up, yeah. claiming $5,000, yeah. a mile and an eighth, yeah. 120 pounds, 120 pounds. jockey Riker, track fast, fast. Post position fourth. Fourth. Start sixth. Mm. Quarter fourth. Mm. Half fourth. Three quarters third. Third. Mile third. Stretch third. Finish third. Mm. Two lengths. Two lengths. Driving. Five dollars and twenty cents. Five dollars and twenty cents. Hmm, that does it. Eight races. Now that you've given all the facts to the machine, what's next? I pull this lever, and the calculator goes to work. Good Lord. How long does it take? It's just a matter of seconds. Do you really think it'll work? Work? Of course. Unless the machine breaks down. And as you can see, it's working perfectly. Yeah. The solution has been attained. Well, where is it? I merely have to pull this lever, and it will be printed on a sheet of paper and ejected at this point here. Watch. There. Oh, let me see it. Uh, first race winner, yet a deer. Place, speeding folly. Show, Quaker girl. And it has the results of the other races as well. Naturally. And these horses are the winners? Oh, yes, no question of that. Tomorrow night, we'll buy an evening paper with the racing results, and you'll see for yourself. Les. Yes? If you're so sure that these are the winners, why not make a small bet on the first race? A small bet? Yes. Bet $2 to win on Yetadir in the first race. Then if Yetadir wins, as you say she will, put all the winnings on the second race, then the third, fourth, fifth... But, but, but I, I couldn't do that. Why not? Well, it wouldn't be ethical. Oh. I'm here from the university as a guest. Of this company. Oh, now, Les, stop being stuffy. 
We've been saving for a year now to get married. If the machine is right, we can win enough money to buy all our furniture. Who knows? Maybe even a house. Oh, I'm sorry, Julia, but I'm afraid I couldn't. Oh, why are you so stubborn? Who could it possibly harm? And think of what it would mean to us. Well, yes, I know. Please, Uh, uh, pardon me. Where can I make a two-dollar wager? Right here, friend. What's your pleasure? My pleasure? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, I, uh, I, I'd like to bet on Yetta, dear, in the first race at Hialeah. Two bucks? Yes, please. Right here. Yetta, dear, paid six twenty. Here you are. Thank you. I'd now like to bet six dollars to win on Morning Glory in the second race at Hialeah. Six on the nose of Morning Glory. That's right. Okay, you're covered. That's the first portion of The Mysterious Traveler with a Big Brain. We'll be back after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Lisa, before we get back to The Mysterious Traveler, I do want to remind our listeners that we have a terrific website and a terrific Facebook page that Mike and you do a lot of work on, keep it posted, you know, all kinds of these things posted on there. I don't know anything about Facebook, but it's a great site. And we'd love our listeners to like us. So how do they do that? Mike, you want to tell them? Yeah, you can just hop on the Facebook, look up uh, Hollywood 360 Radio. All right, that's all you got to do. It's right. that simple? It's that, it's simple. that simple. Which wow. is the same as the website. And Hollywood really, really, Lisa does most of the work. She's oh, okay. actually the one talking Lisa to all does the people. Work? All I do is put up the schedule. That's she basically she all does I do. work? Not not really. I just do. Man, I know she takes sleep. a lot of pictures of herself. Mm-hmm. This is true. This not, is... I haven't really in a really long time. What? Right? What was the last picture that was posted? It was the one when we had Sam Wolf, um, our other producer. No, this is not true. The last picture that was posted was oh, Lisa that was David, and David Copperfield. Copperfield. Yeah. Well, I did want everybody to know what a great show, what a great guy he was. I would have thought that you would have took a, a ton more pictures because you got a haircut and your hair lightened. I have a ton of pictures, but I didn't just highlight it. Let's, let's Whatever, be real lighten, here. Um, I just don't. I don't just, be so sensitive. <laughs> Women in their hair, you know, you say the wrong thing. Just They're like, oh clear, my gosh. You know? um, yeah. What? No. What? Say I don't know. Did I? Don't I? Know. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, no, the I'm website sure and important. Facebook page are really cool, so check it out. All right. Let's get back to uh, The Big Brain, starring Maurice Tarplin from March 14, 1950, on The Mysterious Traveler. Ah, here he is, boss. Come in, Professor DeWitt. Come in. Hmm? I'm Victor King. Well, how do you know who I am? It's my business to know the names of the people who patronize my establishments. All right, Steve, that'll be all. Okay, boss. I'll be outside. Wait. Well, I understand, Professor, that you selected the winners of eight straight races. And that I owe you $24,250. Yes, that's right. You'll find that I'm a businessman who pays off promptly. Thousand dollar bills be all right? Uh, yes. Yes, of course. Tell me, eight winners, uh, what do you attribute it to? Oh, just luck. Luck, huh? Hmm. Here you are. 
I'm figuring on flying out to Santa Anita in a few days for the big handicap on Saturday. I want you to dope out the winners as soon as possible. I'm figuring on making a real killing at the track. I won't do it. Now, Professor, we don't have to go over that again. Let's see what we do. Okay, Professor. I'll put it on the line. Straight. No trimmings. Sit down. This may take a little time. February 15. 47 flights. A, 22 flights. B, 10 flights. C, 9 flights. D, 6 flights. Total 47. Lester, so here you are. Hmm? I've tried to find you everywhere. Oh. Oh, hello, Julie. I phoned you at home and the university. Then I thought I'd come here. Did you see Victor King? Yes. I saw him. Well, what did he say? I mean, when you told him you were through with him. He said that isn't the way he plays ball. It seems I have to play his way. Or else. Oh, Lester. Mr. King is a master of blackmail. Well, Lester, what are these hundreds of books... What are you doing? These are flight records of the different airlines that fly to the West Coast. These records go back five years. What are you doing with them? I'm entering these records into the big brain. Trying an experiment. I don't know whether or not it'll work. What kind of an experiment? I'm attempting to find out if the big brain, given all available flight information, can determine the date and time of a future plane crash. A future plane crash? Yes. But why? Victor King is going to fly to California within the next few days. As yet, he hasn't decided what flight he's taking. Well, what has that got to do... Less. Why not? What else can I fight back with? Maybe this whole experiment is crazy, but... But if the big brain can determine future plane crashes, and if one is due to occur within the next five days, I'm going to do my best to see to it that Victor King is on that plane. you're doing is insane. Maybe. Time will tell. You must listen to me. You've got to go to the university officials and make a clean breast of things. I'm sure that they... There. The solution has been attained. Let me see. Flight 106, Universal Airlines, 4.30 p.m. New York to Los Angeles. Crash 6.31 near Canton, Ohio, February 24th. February 24th. That is Friday. And King wants to be in California Saturday. For the races. Lester, this information, it can't be right, can it? It's a law of averages, Julia. Scientists, given all the facts, can work out an approximation of accidents. The big brain has the ability to pinpoint facts, calculate them to a degree beyond the human mind, and reach a definite conclusion. You mean, there's no question about it? Flight 106 will crash February 24th. The big brain hasn't been wrong as yet. Though there's always a first time, of course. But, Les, if there's a possibility of that plane crashing, we've got to go to the airline and warn them. If I went to them and told them, gentlemen, I believe that Flight 106 on February 24th is going to crash, what do you think they would say? They'd have me placed under mental observation. But, Les, if that plane crashed is killing innocent people, you'd never forgive yourself. What's going to be, will be. I can't prevent that which is ordained to happen. And you're going to try to see to it 
that Victor King is on flight 106. Yes. Come what may, I've got to make sure he's on that flight. Hello? Hello, Professor. This is Victor King. Yes, Mr. King. It's already Wednesday afternoon. Why haven't I received the winners of Saturday's races at Santa Anita? I'm afraid I can't have them for you until Friday afternoon, around four. Why not? I've got to have last-minute scratches and other information to be able to calculate the winners. Friday afternoon? That doesn't give me much time to get to Santa Anita. Why don't I meet you at the airport Friday afternoon at four o'clock? There's a 4.30 plane to California. Flight 106. Get you there at midnight. Flight 106, huh? Leaves 4.30. That sounds all right. Then I'll meet you at the airport at 4 o'clock. Good. I'll be expecting you. Don't worry, King. I'll be there. There's the gate for flight 106 straight ahead. Lester, I wish you wouldn't go through with it. Won't you please go to the airline? Tell them that there's a, a chance 106 may crash. I told you, Julia, they'd only think I was insane. Now be quiet now. There's King standing at the gate with his bodyguard. Well, Professor, you're it rather fine, aren't you? It's already 425. The plane's ready to leave. I was delayed by traffic. Here's the list of winners for tomorrow's races. Good. Walk me to the plane. I want to talk to you. All right. Hey. Big race tomorrow. Citation isn't the winner? That's right. Oh, this is perfect. Perfect. All the big money will be on Citation. Will we clean up? Oh, passengers, please get aboard. Good thing, honey. That's where I've got a little surprise for you and your girlfriend. Surprise? Yes, that's right. Me and Steve here are taking you with us. We're going to show you the time of your life. Yes, sir. But, but we, we can't go. I, I, I have classes. What are you talking about? This is Friday. We'll have you back by Monday. Now get aboard. But we haven't any clothes. Yes, you have. I brought along clothes for both of you. Everything's been taken care of. <laughs> you two are going. We have to carry you both. No. No, I, I won't go. I, Look, I, I'm in a great trouble to fix up this trip, and you're going. Get her on that plane, Steve. Can't you understand? Oh, don't put me down. I don't want to go. Tell him to put her down. Come back. Julia. <laughs> okay, stewardess. They're going aboard. Tell the pilot we're all set. Let's go. Les, what time is it? Julia, stop asking me the time every minute. I just told you. What's the matter with you two? Don't you like flying? been sitting on the edge of your seats ever since we took off. Yeah, you think they were going to a funeral instead of California. And the best time they ever had. <laughs> Les, I can't stand this much longer. You've got to tell them it's our only chance. Tell them? Yes. Maybe you're right. King. What is it, Professor? Come a little closer. I've got something to tell you. Sure. What is it? This plane... It's going to crash at 6.31. Crash? What are you talking about? You heard me. The plane is going to crash. I like a joke, but that's not funny. It's not a joke. Can't you see that he's serious? How do you know the plane is going to crash? The same way I found out about the winners. The big brain. If you aren't leveling with me, I'll... 
Guess you are. You're scared, really scared. I'm getting scared, too. Why'd you let us send for this? You must have known before we got on this plane. Oh, I get it. You didn't figure on me taking you along. Hey, boss, we've got to do something. Uh, I'll settle with you two later. Come on, Steve. What are you going to do? You'll see. Have you got ready, Steve? I'll make the pilot set us down, but fast. Yeah, 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 sure. Here's where we pick over. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but passengers aren't allowed up here. Steve. A gun? Yeah. Now, listen, bright boy, you and your little playmate here are going to set this plane down, but fast. What for? Because I say, son, I don't argue. Land this plane. The nearest airfield's 20 minutes away, and it can't Shut up. Set it down now. This minute, make an emergency landing. You must be out of your mind. Steve, count of five. If he doesn't start putting down, give it to the co-pilot. Right. One, two, three, four. Okay, you're calling it. Pete, give me a read. Speed, 240 MPH. Altitude, 4,500. As we come over this mountain, there's a large field. We'll try to set down on it. Roger. Don't let us go, boss. We've got to get down. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on. Put this plane down. Mister, if you want to take over, just say the word. Give me a reading, Pete. Speed. 255 MPH. Altitude. 2,000 feet. It's getting dark fast. We better circle the field a couple of times. Don't circle. Just land. Pete, give it to the passengers over the PA. Roger. We are now preparing to land. Passengers are asked to remain calm. Please fasten all safety belts. You two guys better go back to your seats, fast your belts. It's going to be a rough landing. Yeah, but it's all the same to you. We'll stay right here. Well, we can keep an eye on you. Suit yourself. You don't mind if Pete and me strap ourselves in, do you? Cut the chatter and land. Give me a read, Pete. Speed, 230 MPH. Altitude, 800 feet. Flaps down. Flash down. Landing gear down. Landing gear down. Landing lights on. Landing lights on. Reading. Speed. 180 miles. Altitude. 500 feet. Speed. 145. Altitude. 200 feet. Speed. 135, 125, 115, 95, down, 80, 70. Bob, there's a drainage ditch across the field. Take her up. Too late. Hang on. Just lie quietly, Max. Huh? Um, Julia. Julia, where am I? You're in a hospital. Huh? You've been unconscious almost three hours. Oh. But the doctor says you'll be up in a few days. Well, the plane crash. Yes. Julia, are you all right? I was just shaking up nothing else. Oh. Dr. King. What about him? King and his bodyguard, Steve were killed. Killed? Yes. When the plane crashed, they were up front without safety belts. Oh. Anybody else killed? No, a half dozen were hurt, but they'll all live. 
So King is dead. Yes. That means we're free, Julia. He was the only one who knew about the big brain. The way I was getting those winners. Yes, Les, we're free. <laughs> Strange. The big brain picked the winners. But it was wrong about the plane crash. Wrong? Yes. After all, the only reason the plane crashed was because King forced the pilot to make an emergency landing. You're overlooking just one fact, Les. What? The plane crashed at 6.31 p.m. The exact moment that the big brain said it would. How do you explain that, Professor? This is the mysterious traveler again. Yes, young Professor DeWitt had a good deal to ponder about while he recovered from the hospital. Would a plane crash have occurred if Victor King hadn't forced the pilot to make an emergency landing? Or was that the crash the big brain predicted? It's hard to say. But one thing is certain. Professor DeWitt, for some strange reason, has lost all scientific interest in the big brain. Oh, you'll have to get off here. I'm sorry. I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train... Every week at the same time. You have just heard The Mysterious Traveler, which is played by Maurice Tartlett. In the cast were Leon Janney, Marilyn Erskine, Santos Ortega, and John Marley. Original music was composed and played by Al Finnell. This is Bob Everett speaking. All characters in our story were fictitious and any resemblance to the names of actual persons was purely coincidental. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That's The Mysterious Traveler from March 14, 1950, with The Big Brain, starring Maurice Tarplin. Maurice Tarplin, Lisa, played Inspector Faraday on Boston Blackie. See, this was a New York-based radio show. Boston Blackie was also broadcast out of New York. So the actors in this show, which I'll name right now, Santos Ortega, John Martin, Leon Janney, and Marilyn Erkstein, these were all New York-based actors. And this show came out of Mutual, the Mutual Broadcasting System. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. Then it's more on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the... Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. 
This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time we're going to tune into The Saint with Vincent Price, Duffy's Tavern with Ed Gardner, Have Gun, Will Travel with John Daner, Under Arrest, My Favorite Husband with Lucille Ball, and Academy Award Theater. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer, Mike Costella, engineer, Sam Wolf, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at Hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking. Adam West speaking.